Human life, human societies, and human relationships all function on the basis of promises. We make promises to each other, formal in some cases, like in a contract or in a covenant of marriage, sometimes informally when we say, I'll meet you there at this time. That's, in a sense, a promise, though we may not think about it that way. It is. And all human relationships, formal and informal, personal and person to corporate, function on the basis of promises. One of the things that is true, I think, about promises, when we, especially when we are the recipient of a promise, when someone makes a promise to us, is that we want to know when the person is going to fulfill the promise they've made to us. We don't like vague promises that someday I will do this for you, I promise. We want to know when. People want to know when promises will be kept. And I think this is true in all area of life and in everyday life. People want to know when someone is going to keep the promise that has been made to them. Let me just give you a few quick examples to illustrate this. Have you ever been in a situation where you were visiting relatives or you were having relatives visit you from out of town? They were going to stay at your home or come to your home or you were going to their home. What's one of the first questions? When are you going to get there, right? People want to know when the promise that you're going to arrive or that they're going to arrive is going to happen. Okay, when we receive a promise, implicit or direct, we want to know when the promise is going to be kept. Here's another one. If you ask a girl to marry you, one of the first things she might say to you is, let's set a date. All right, what is it saying? When is this promise going to happen? Right? Let's formalize this because that's how we, how we work. We want to know when people are going to keep their promises to us. School just started. And if you're in school... Your teacher may have promised you some exams or some assignments. If you care about your grades, at least, you want to know when that promise is going to be kept, when you're expected to um, take that test or whatever. And so in many realms of life, we want to know when someone who makes a promise to us will keep the promise that they've made. And here in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is approached by a group of people, a group of people who are very interested in his ministry and yet do not consider themselves his followers. And they have a question about the promise of God. We see that in our passage in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, which says, Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. You see that phrase, would come, is a word of timing. That's what they want to know. And Jesus has gone all around Israel preaching the promise that the kingdom of heaven is near. And telling people, repent, turn from your sins and come to me, follow me, because the kingdom of God is coming. These Pharisees are very religious people in Jesus' world. They are people that are looked up to and um, are very scrupulous about studying God's word and trying to obey it in their lives. And so they are interested in the promise of Jesus, and yet they are not Jesus' followers. They have definitely separated themselves from Christ. And so they have a question. Jesus, you've been preaching about this coming kingdom. When is it going to happen? When will it arrive? That's the question the Pharisees are asking. They know that God has promised a kingdom. They believe that. But they want to know when it's going to happen, when God is going to keep that promise. And they are not the only ones. From that time forward, people who have studied the Bible people who consider themselves Christians, 
people who have heard the claims that Jesus will return and establish a kingdom, have all at some point had this question, when is it going to happen? When is God going to make good on the promise that he has made? What is the time for this kingdom to arrive? That's the question that Christ has been confronted with here in verse 20. Now, Jesus is going to respond to the question, and in a nutshell, his response is this, I'm not going to tell you, right? Or maybe to put it better, people want to know when promises will be kept, but you can't know when God is going to keep his kingdom promise. That's what Christ is going to say, in essence, in most of the rest of our passage this morning. He's going to tell the Pharisees first and then the disciples, and there is a conscious change in audience in our passage, which I'll point out to you when we come to it. But Christ is telling both the Pharisees and the disciples, and by extension us, that we can't know when God is going to keep this promise. Now notice what Jesus said in verse 20. The verse begins with the question, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. And then he goes on in verse 21 and says, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now this is a cryptic statement of Jesus, and it's one that takes a little bit of effort to understand. Jesus was asked a direct question, when is this kingdom you've promised going to arrive? And Jesus is saying, you can't know. But his reasons for saying you can't know are a little cryptic. They're a little difficult to follow. First, Jesus says the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. And some people have taken this to mean it's a spiritual kingdom, but that's not what Jesus means at all. Jesus has promised a kingdom and God has promised a kingdom on this earth. And that promise is still real and it still awaits fulfillment. And then Jesus goes on and says in verse 21, nor will people say here it is or there it is. But notice, drop down, just, just, let's just borrow from a, a, a verse that's coming. In verse 23, Jesus says, people will tell you here he is or there he is. All right. So Jesus seems to be saying two different things here. He's saying you can't see the kingdom. It's not something that can be observed. And no one's going to say here it is or there it is. And then Jesus is saying later, but people are going to come to you and say, here's Jesus or there's Jesus. So what's going on here? What I think Jesus is telling the Pharisees is, It's going to come, but it's going to be after your time on this earth is over. I think that's what Christ is saying when he says it's not something that can be observed. Because notice in verse 23, Jesus says to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Okay, Christ is telling us this is far in the future. And so what he's telling the Pharisees here is, you've misunderstood the nature of the kingdom, and it's not something you should be looking for because it's far in the future beyond even your lifetime. But the key problem that the Pharisees have, and the reason why they can't know when God will keep his promise is not because God's kingdom is not going to really come on this earth. No, it's because they failed to recognize the king. That's what Jesus is getting at in verses 20 through 21 when he says, you can't observe it and you won't see it because he says at the end of verse 21, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, what's Jesus saying here? Is he, again, some people have interpreted this to mean what's well, a spiritual kingdom, but that's not what Christ is saying at all. He's saying, you Pharisees haven't accepted me as the king. You haven't obeyed my words to repent and believe the gospel message. You haven't recognized me for who I am, which is the king who is coming. Wherever the king is, the kingdom is present in some sense. And so Jesus is saying, I have come to you and I've offered the kingdom to you and you Pharisees have rejected me. And so because you don't recognize me, the king, you're never going to see the kingdom of God. It's not something you can observe. 
That's the point of the passage. And so we um, need to stop here and, and think about this, that although the kingdom will exist on earth, it's not really about a particular place as much as it is about serving Christ the King, recognizing Him for who He is, and bowing in submission and repentance before Him. And if you're a person who's thought about end times events, that's what we're talking about in this passage, what's called eschatology, the formal word that we use to describe the end time events. If this is something that you have thought about, if you've wondered when the end of days is coming, if you've wondered what the end of the world will look like, if you've wondered whether Jesus really will return to this earth and set up a kingdom on earth, and yet you've never come to know him as your Lord and Savior, you've missed the most important thing. You can't see the kingdom, much less know when it's coming, if you don't know the king himself. Years ago, I, I worked uh, with a man who uh, had grown up in the church but definitely was not following Christ, and um, I think he did make a profession of faith when we were talking, but there was nothing in his lifestyle that would indicate that he was actually a follower of Jesus Christ. And as we talked, he would constantly, because I was in seminary at the time, he was constantly asking me questions about eschatology, and what my interpretation of this or that was, this passage or that passage. And as, as I tried to drill through his questions a little bit and talk about his relationship with God, at one point he admitted to me, you know, it's true, I'm really more, much more interested in reading books about the Bible than I am reading the Bible. Okay, and that's because he wanted to know things about what the future held without embracing Jesus Christ as king. And the point that Jesus is making here is you'll never see the kingdom of God if you don't recognize the king himself. And so as, 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 although there is much speculation about when God is going to keep the promise, if you find yourself in that place and yet you have not come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've not come to him for forgiveness of your sins, you've not bowed to him as your Lord and Savior, you need to stop worrying about when the kingdom will come and start following the king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a change in the audience, as I already suggested. This passage begins with talk about the kingdom, and it was brought on by a question from the Pharisees. But in verse 22, Jesus wants to say more about this subject, but he wants to say it to those who have come into this covenant relationship with him, to those who know him by faith, to those who are following him as his disciples. And so Jesus makes a conscious turn from telling the Pharisees, don't worry about the kingdom, you ain't going to be in there, right, in essence, because you haven't recognized me as the king. Now he makes a conscious turn to the disciples, and in verse 23, we see, or verse 22, we see these words. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. And here Jesus tells the disciples, even you can't know when God is going to keep his kingdom promise. As much as you want to know, you can't know when God is going to keep his kingdom promise. And the reason for that is because it will come as a surprise. Much of the rest of our passage is Jesus emphasizing again and again and again that when these kingdom events begin to unfold, it's going to surprise the world. All right, let's look at it together in verse 22. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. And you understand, uh, hopefully from the Old Testament, that the Bible, when it talks about God's judgment coming in many different senses, 
especially in the Old Testament, it refers to those as the day of the Lord or the days of the Lord. Sometimes it's a human judgment where God brings judgment upon a particular nation, and that's called a day of the Lord. But the Bible also talks about the end times events, when Jesus will judge the world as being one of the days of the Lord. And Jesus is telling the disciples, there's going to come a time when you're going to long to see that. What he's talking about here is the persecution that would come and the price that would be paid for being followers of Christ. They're going to long to see God's justice done on this earth. They're going to long for Jesus to return in judgment and start this eschatological uh, unfolding that leads to the promised kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, you're going to long for this, but he says, you will not see it. He's saying you won't be alive on this earth when it happens. It's going to happen in the future. And then he goes on in verse 23 to say even more about this. And what he's telling the disciples is it's going to be a surprise, so don't be um, fooled when someone tells you that it's come. Verse 23 says this. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. What is Jesus saying in these words? What he's saying is, some of you disciples are going to long to see Christ return so much that you'll be susceptible to false teaching about it. That you'll want to listen when someone says, here's the date in which Jesus will return, or Jesus has returned and he's come to this place. And Jesus is saying, don't be fooled by that. Don't let your genuine desire to see God come and fulfill this kingdom promise mislead you into a false fulfillment. And the reason why he says this is misleading is given to us in verse 24 when he says, for the Son of Man, and remember this is one of the titles that Jesus used for himself, the most frequent title he used for himself. In verse 24 he says, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. What's the point here? What's, what's the comparison? Well, you know and I know that there are times when we are going about our business, and whether visible to us or not, the skies begin to darken, and all of a sudden, there's a flash of lightning. And, and if it's at nighttime when it happens, it's quite startling, isn't it? When all of a sudden, the entire sky is bright, and you can see everything in the backyard for a brief second. Jesus is saying, this is what his return will be like. Now, what's he saying? What he's saying is, it's going to be obvious to everyone. It is going to be such a dramatic event that you won't need someone to point out to you, there's Jesus, because it's going to be like lightning that lights up the entire sky, visible to everyone. When Jesus returns and begins the process of setting up his kingdom, he says, everybody's going to know about it. You won't need somebody to tell you that it's come. It'll be obvious. And so he's saying, it's because it's a surprise, people are going to try to deceive you, but don't, don't be deceived. Don't follow those and don't be fooled by those who say they know when it's coming. It's going to be a surprise. Now, in verse 24, he says it's, it's a surprise, but it's going to arrive suddenly, but obviously. That's what he's saying in verse 24 when he says, as the lightning lights up the flashes and lights up the sky from one end to another, that's what the day of the Son of Man is going to be like. But then he adds this in verse 25, and this is another surprising aspect. It was one that was still future to them, now past to us, which is this, verse 25, but first... He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. That was surprising to hear that the Son of Man, that the Messiah, to use the, the Jewish language that they would have used, the Christ is going to be rejected and he's going to suffer. 
This was not in the, even though God had foretold this in Isaiah 53 and other places, this was not what the people who were looking for the Messiah wanted to hear. They did not expect that Messiah would be rejected by men and that he would suffer many things. And Jesus is saying, yes, this will happen. It's necessary to happen. Why? Because until the Christ, the Lord, the Lamb of God atones for the sins of humanity, nobody can be gathered into his kingdom. And this surprising step where Christ himself is rejected by everyone and crucified and even even abandoned by his own followers. This is a surprising turn in events, but it's a necessary one in order to make sure that the kingdom of God happens. So you can't know when the kingdom will come because it will be a surprise. It will be a surprise, and so don't be fooled by those who claim to know that it's coming. It will be surprising because it will happen suddenly, but obviously. But at first, there will be a surprising setback where Christ himself suffers and dies for humanity. In verses 26 through 29, Jesus goes on to develop this idea of the coming kingdom as a surprise. And he says in this section that because it's a surprise, people will not be ready when it happens. Because the kingdom of God, because the coming of Christ is going to be a surprise, people will not be ready when it happens. Now, I need to stop at this point and clarify a few things. Jesus is still talking about the future kingdom of God. But before the kingdom of God comes, that's what the Pharisees asked him about. Before that, the Bible says there is going to be a day of judgment. When all humanity is separated to those, between those who belong in the kingdom and those who don't. And those who belong in the kingdom are those, of course, who have recognized Christ the King and have been redeemed by his, um, his suffering and death on the cross. And everyone else are those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the questions that the church has grappled with is whether or not Christ is going to return first and gather the church, this is called the secret rapture of the church, and then return another time in what's called the second coming of Christ, or whether those events will happen at the same time, whether the rapture and the return of Christ are one event. Jesus is not going to get into those details and so on. I'm not either, all right? So I'm not going to answer that question either this morning. I think that's an important question, but it's one for another time. What Jesus is talking about here is the day of judgment. Everything he says about this day of the Son of Man looks forward to that day of judgment when the believers are separated from the unbelievers and the unbelievers are taken away in judgment. And what Jesus wants us to understand is this. When that happens, it's going to be a surprise, that there are going to be people who may have thought about the end times, may have thought about the return of Jesus in some way. They may think that there is going to be an end to the life as we know it, but they've never changed their lives accordingly. And so they're going on with life as they know it. And all of a sudden, when they least expect it, Jesus is going to return in judgment. That's the point of this section. Let's look at it together in detail, beginning in verse 26. Jesus says this, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Jesus is saying, when I return in judgment, there are going to be people going about their lives, and there is nothing wrong with anything that's described in here. There's nothing wrong with eating and drinking. We need to do that to survive. There's nothing wrong with getting married or being given in marriage, all right? These are wonderful things. They are gifts of God. They are part of His command, to fill the earth and and subdue it, and so on. So these are all good things. But the point here is that humanity is going to continue on. It's going to be the, the arrival of Christ and the judgment that he brings is going to be so unexpected 
that people are just going to be going on with their everyday lives just as if it were any other day. If you knew Christ was going to return, you probably wouldn't plan your wedding for that day. You'd plan it for the day before, maybe, or sometime before that, right? And so this is what Jesus is saying. People are going to be so surprised when he comes that they're going to be living life without any thought that today could be the day of the return of Christ. That's what happened in the days of Noah. They heard Noah preaching that a flood was coming, but people didn't believe it. So they just went on with their lives as normal. Jesus uses another example, beginning in verse 28. He says it was, a, it was the same in the days of Lot. So this is another example from the book of Genesis, just as Noah comes to us from the book of Genesis. So also this man Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham, and who lived in a wicked city called Sodom. Jesus says, my coming is going to be like that too. Notice he says, people were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. Again, nothing wrong with any of these things. These are part of normal human functions. They are part of normal society. This is what people do who live on earth. But the point is they disregarded the warning that was brought to them, that God's judgment was coming, except for Lot. He's the only one who listened to the warning that God's judgment was coming. And so Jesus says this in verse 29, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. What a surprise. As someone was building a home, they were surprised when the judgment of God fell. As someone was preparing a meal, they were surprised when the judgment of God fell. And so it will be when Christ comes in judgment. When Christ comes to separate the, the believers from the unbelievers, so the believers can go into his kingdom and he takes those who are unbelievers away into judgment. Humanity is going to be surprised when it happens. And that's why God does not reveal to us when we, why we can't know when the kingdom or when the judgment of God will come because God wants it to be a surprise for us all. In verse 30, Jesus goes on and says this, It will be just like this on the day of the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. In this section, Jesus uh, continues to describe what will happen on that day. And he turns from talking about how it's going to be a surprise to how we should prepare for that day to come. And that really brings us to the big idea for the message this morning, which is this. Get ready now, because you can't know when the kingdom of God will come. That's what Jesus is trying to say here. He's saying, stop worrying about the timing of the keeping of God's promise. Stop trying to figure out when it's going to happen. And instead, get yourself ready, because... You can't know when it's going to happen, and it's going to be a surprise when it happens, all right? And so in this section, Jesus talks about how we can prepare for the coming of Christ. The first thing he tells us in verses 30 through 31 is that when the kingdom of Christ comes, it will be too late to prepare. That's why he says, get ready now, because when it happens, it's going to be too late for you to prepare. Verse 30 says, it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. When Jesus comes to separate believers from non-believers, there isn't going to be time for you to prepare anything. There won't be time for you to prepare to try to defend yourself against God, as if that were even possible. There won't be time for you to do anything. It's going to come suddenly, unexpectedly, 
And so if you're not prepared when it happens, you won't be prepared when it happens. The point is, get yourself ready now. Believe the promise of God. Prepare now because it will be too late to get ready when the time comes. Also, Christ says this. When the coming of Christ comes, when the kingdom of Christ comes, it will reveal whether or not you are ready. The next section, verses 32 through 35, tell us that because it's too late to prepare when it happens, when it happens, it's going to reveal who's prepared and who isn't. Look with me at verse 32. Jesus says this. Remember Lot's wife. Okay, so let's take a time to remember her. Remember, he's going back to the falling of judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. God had told Lot to take his family and gather them and get them out of the city. And Lot warned his daughters who were married and their husbands, God's judgment is coming, get out of the city. But they rejected him. And so Lot took those who he could. He took the two unmarried daughters he had and his wife, and he got them out of the city. But as they were leaving the city, his wife was so torn up about what she was leaving behind. She was so consumed about what was going to be lost by leaving the city that the Bible says she turned around and looked. And that turning around and looking instantly brought the judgment of God upon her. And the reason is because her heart was really not with the command of the Lord to leave. She loved the life that she had so much that she wasn't ready to leave when it happened. And Jesus is saying, this is how everyone who believes in the coming kingdom of God, who thinks that God's judgment is going to come, this is how we need to understand. We need to stop being so married to the life that we have, so consumed and so much in love with the possessions we have or the way our life is structured that we don't want to leave it when Jesus comes. That's why he goes on in verse 31 to say that, or verse 33, I mean, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses uh, their life will preserve it. The point is, those who are ready for the coming of Jesus, they're longing for that day, as he said the disciples were. And that means we live differently than the people around us. The people around us have nothing but hope for this life. All of their decisions and goals are structured on making this life as good as possible. And although we have to live, if we're believers in Christ, in this world, and we have to do some things, and we do do things that are for the betterment of this life, we have families, and we build houses, and we do the things that that need to happen for life to exist on this earth. In a sense, we are not tied emotionally to these things. We do these things, but knowing that it's a temporary time, and that what we really want is the kingdom that Jesus will bring. Jesus is saying anyone who is so deeply in love with their life on this earth or what what it is or what they hope it to be. They're not going to be ready on the day Jesus returns. They're going to be like Lot's wife who's consumed with what is being lost rather than desiring what will be gained. And so he goes on and says this in, in specifics in verse 34. I tell you on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. This describes a married couple. When the return of Christ happens and his judgment comes, one will be taken, and most scholars don't think this is the rapture actually that's being described, but that they'll be taken away in judgment, and the others will be left on this earth to enter the kingdom. There's going to be a separation even among families where one spouse is saved from the day of judgment because they were prepared 
because they were looking forward to the day of Christ, because they had made him king and bowed to him as king and had received his forgiveness of sins. They'll be ready on that day, even though it's going to surprise them. It's going to come in the middle of the night like a thief, and, and they're not going to be looking for it, but they'll be ready because they put their trust in Jesus, but their spouse won't. Verse 35, two women will be grinding together. So somewhere else on earth, there are going to be people who are out working, people who are working as friends, people who enjoy working together. But they're going to be separated too. One will be taken in judgment and the other will be left. When Jesus returns in judgment and sets up and begins the events that set up his kingdom, it's going to be a surprising thing. It's going to separate the world between believers and unbelievers. And so Jesus tells us we need to prepare because it's going to be too late to prepare when it happens. And when it comes, what's, the only thing that's going to happen is it's going to be revealed who is ready and who isn't. In verse 37, we come to the most difficult verse in a very difficult passage where Jesus says this. Actually, he's asked a question by the disciples. Where, Lord? They asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Well, that clears it right up, doesn't it? <laughs> But I think what Christ is getting at here is that when the kingdom of Christ comes, it will be destructive for most people. You see, the Pharisees were thinking something hopeful when they asked him about the kingdom of God. And of course, there is hope in the kingdom of God. But before the kingdom of God comes, there's going to be massive destruction, massive human loss. Because sinners in their sin chose not to receive the good news of Christ they were unprepared for the day of judgment, and therefore they received the judgment of God. And I think what Jesus is saying is you don't need to worry about where because the carnage is going to be extensive. And it will be destructive for most people. Another passage that describes this event that Jesus is talking about, the coming of Christ in judgment, goes on to make this exact um, comparison. It's talking about the destruction that will come to many people and how it will be a day of hope to others. That those who are outside of Christ, who aren't ready when he returns, who didn't receive him as Lord and receive his forgiveness of sins, it's going to be destructive for them. But for those who have come to trust Christ, those who are ready for the return of Jesus, it's going to be a day of hope. And this passage that I'm alluding to is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7-10, through 10, which says this, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels, he will punish those who do not know God. And do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. His judgment will be like vultures circling over a dead body. It's going to be destructive. And then he goes on and says this, They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. And from the glory of his might, on the day he comes, now here's the other side, to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. Do you see the separation that's going to happen before the kingdom comes? Before Jesus establishes this kingdom on earth, which he's promised to do, and he will keep that promise. But before that happens, there's going to be a massive separation of humanity. Most of the human race will be unprepared for his coming. And because of it, they will be punished from their sins. They will be shut out from the kingdom of God. They will be in torment forever. But for those who have come to acknowledge Christ as king, for those who have received the forgiveness of sins, not because of our good works, but because he was um, rejected and cursed 
taken away in judgment himself on the cross. And because we believed in that, because he atones for our sins, the Bible says we are going to marvel at him. And this includes you, he says, because you believed our testimony. So the kingdom of God, when it comes, is going to be destructive for most people. And so I'm urging you to be ready for that day, to prepare yourself for the coming of Christ. How do you do that? The answer is this. The only way to be prepared when the kingdom of Christ comes is to come to know Christ now. Jesus could return at any time. And this judgment will happen when people are unprepared for it. So the only way to be prepared for it is to prepare now, to take the time that you have, this moment of mercy and grace in the sight of the Lord and receive Jesus as your Savior. Notice that Jesus alludes to this in a couple places in our passage. In verse 21, he talks about the kingdom of God. saying you need to recognize the Lord if you're going to be part of his kingdom. And then later on in verse 25, he talks about his death. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Why? Because he was going to die as a sacrifice for sinners. And the merit that he earned... By his death on the cross for us and his perfect life, God will apply by faith to those who believe in him. This is the only way to be prepared for the day of judgment when it comes. And the scriptures say this, again, in even more direct language than what Jesus has used here. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 11, the scripture says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our hope as believers in Jesus. This is what we're looking for. This is the promise that Christ has made to us, and he will deliver even though we can't know when, and even though it will we'll be as surprised as anyone else if we're on this earth when it happens. It is surely coming. The question is, are you prepared Have you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you have, if you're a believer, are you living like that? Are you living for eternity? Again, this was a constant stress of Jesus as well. Lay up treasure for yourselves in eternity by the way you live now. Jesus is coming, yes, but you can't know when. And it's going to be a surprise when it happens. So get ready now because you can't know when when Christ's kingdom will return. If you're not a believer this morning, let me urge you. Turn from your sins. Receive as a gift the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. It's the only way to escape the judgment of God. If you are a believer, but you've allowed your time and your attention and your focus to be preoccupied again with the things of this life, let this passage remind you that the things of this life are temporary. Like Sodom burned up, so will this earth and the things that are precious to us. And so the Bible says if we really believe in Jesus, if he really is the king, we should live in that light. We should live for eternity. Get ready now because you can't know when Christ's kingdom will come.